While the idea of having movie characters portrayed by artificial intelligence created technology has Hollywood actors up in arms, the technology is also being used to create avatars for everyday people. Is having an AI avatar for every person something we'll be seeing in the future? We're going to explore this topic up next up on Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. I'm Keith Shaw. Welcome to Today in Tech. Joining me on today's show is Joe Murphy. He is the technology evangelist for Deep Brain AI, a Korean-based company uh, that is developing AI-enabled avatars. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, Keith. Thank you for having me. So can you talk, tell the audience what an AI avatar is when we use that as the generic term for a lot of these different things? How is it different from maybe previous technology attempts, such as I think, I think the initial ones were called virtual chatbots, uh, things similar to that. So how does an AI avatar work? Yeah, so they go by many names, uh, AI avatar, AI human, digital human, virtual human, but they all mean basically the same thing. These are uh, very realistic, you could call them photorealistic or hyper-realistic versions of uh, deeply learned models that are based on real people. And basically what happens is it's video synthesis so this is not uh traditional cgi that you might think right, of right this is uh we record real people and that's training data that we use to build these models and what you end up with is a model that has text input and video output so text in video out that's that's the foundation of the model okay the video that's coming out is based on a deeply learned model that uh learns how you blink, you specifically, if you're the target model, how you blink, how your mouth moves, uh, we clone your voice, the subtle movements in your head and throat. This is all deep learned behavior. So we capture the essence of the person and then we clone the voice of that person. And that's kind of the state of the art technology right now. The goal that uh, of the AI avatar is if you see the real person on video and the AI video side by side, you shouldn't be able to tell the difference. And we, we feel like the industry has achieved that goal. Okay. And so uh, talk about, about uh, just about how you guys do the creation of the AI avatar. Does it take a lot of time for the human that's being scanned to do this? It's not like a movie set with uh, CGI or like you don't have to wear a bubble suit or green screen suit. <laughs> no bubble suit. The ping, the ping pong balls, I think that that's what they use. So you don't have to do that. Yeah. So we don't do that. Uh, there are many different recipes for creating these AI avatars, mm -hmm. but at Deep Brain, what we do is we have about a half day video shoot. It could be done in any professional video studio. The talent or the target gets onto the green screen and we have a teleprompter and we prepare a script that they read. And what we're actually doing is we're capturing all the different ways they move their mouths, their natural uh, subtle movements, micro motions that they do as they speak. So it's about a four hour process. And then uh, probably about four weeks of deep learning and data cleansing on the back end. So from start to finish one month, but the talent is only in the studio for about four hours. Okay, and we're and, and no ping pong balls. Yeah, and we're showing some some video footage of uh, Howie Mandel. He's one of the the people that you're working with to create a uh, an AI version of Howie Mandel. Is that right? Yes, yeah. and uh, one of the luxuries we had working with Howie is he has his own studio. Okay, so we flew down to his studio in LA and did the data capture there. All right, and we're going to get to Howie in a second, um, but I also but I wanted to ask. Um, how are, what examples can you give about how AI avatars 
are going to be used by businesses because it's not you're not just doing this with actors and celebrities right right so there's there's two main uh i'll call it product categories okay when we're talking about text to video models you can create informational videos. So this is text to video, but it's a uh, video that's going to be uploaded on YouTube, could be a product explainer, could be onboarding training for a HR for a company, but it's basically just a talking head video, we'll call it. The, the second and probably more exciting is a conversational AI avatar. Mm -hmm. Now this is an AI human that you can interact with and talk with, and we're gonna synthesize the answers in real time. So the informational model, uh, product explainers, HR onboarding, anybody that uh, needs video to uh, share information. And then the conversational, we've seen businesses take off with uh, customer service applications, such as banking, hotel concierge. Uh, there's just really no limit to what these AI humans can do, but they're really made to aid and assist the current workforce with an AI model that can uh, help out. Does, does that mean it then for the two-way conversation, it, it ties into a ChatGPT-like large language model, or is it tie into like a, a previous chatbot might, yeah, might connect so to? Th this is where it gets really exciting. So uh, traditionally, we've tied our AI humans into uh, traditional chatbots based on uh, knowledge bases that they're connected to, so uh, the, it has a very limited and programmatic understanding of what it can do and, yeah. and how it understands speech. But with the recent rise in large language models, we can connect to any large language model. So we do have our uh, avatars and there's many avatars out there connected to ChatGPT. But even more exciting is tuning ChatGPT and uh, using embeddings so you get a customized large language model and it doesn't have to be ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. It could be Llama, it could be Bard. We yeah. work with a lot of uh, language models, but now you have the power or the brain of the large language model connected to the interactive conversational comfort level of a, of a human. So you, if you get all the conversational cues. Are you listening to me? Is it my turn to talk? Plus all the natural language understanding and the, the breadth of all the data that the language model has been trained on. Right. So that so that's almost like I could go into a bank and see the virtual human or the AI avatar of the bank and I could ask it, oh, uh, I want to open a checking account. It would give me the information. And then I go, oh, by the way, who won the Red Sox game last night? And it would know to tell me that, right? Is that is that because yes. and, and so that is that is completely feasible if you're a Red Sox fan. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I'd say in Korea already, these AI avatars and banks are commonplace. So uh, all the top banks in Korea are okay. employing them in kiosks and mobile phones. Uh, in smart ATM machines. So it's kind of uh, business as usual in Korea right now. <laughs> we do see that trend coming to the U.S. as well. So uh, yeah, I would say you could expect it in the near future to be a part of your everyday life. Okay. And also in Korea, they're working with uh, news anchors, right? TV news anchors to do, uh, I want to say work that an anchor might not particularly enjoy. Um, and, and explain how they're doing this in Korea. Yeah, so this is actually the AI news anchor is a hot topic in Korea, China, and also India. Okay. So uh, what they do is they take the franchise face of the network, so kind of the most recognizable, trusted voice of the network. Here in the States, you might think about Anderson Cooper on CNN or Sean Hannity on uh, Fox News. Mm -hmm. we, we make a model of that uh, lead anchor, 
And then the studio can use it to create hourly updates throughout the day. Uh, the traditional way of doing this is they'd have to call the talent in and the talent would have to shoot all these one minute, two minute segments, yep. just line them up and knock them all out. It, it's a big hassle for the talent, for the studio, hair, lights, makeup, everything has to come in just to do these little segments. Now with an AI anchor, they can just type the script and deliver that hourly update. And it's basically, here's what we're working on for the evening news, or here's some breaking news that we're going to have ready for you for the evening news. Yeah. So these one minute, two minute segments throughout the day can now be done at scale every hour on the hour. And the talent is happy because two things, they're out in the field working on stories. They're working with their staff, getting everything ready. And they're also getting an increased face time with the audience throughout the day. So they're getting their personal brand reinforced mm -hmm. throughout the day with these little one minute segments. The, the final point I want to touch on there is all the news stations we work with, when they use the AI anchor, they let the audience know straight away. Right. It actually announces this is the AI news anchor yep. and it says it on the screen, AI news anchor. So they're not trying to trick people. They're not trying to replace people. This is just creating more content at scale using trusted brand and face right. Uh, of the lead anchor. Yeah, and we were using a, so we had some B-roll there of, of a couple of anchors that are doing a uh, shopping channel type show too. So that was yes. another example if, if you were uh, uh, an e-commerce site that wanted to have an AI anchor being that face as well. Yeah, and that's really taken off in China. The e-commerce uh, driven by AI personalities is uh, it's it's really a skyrocketing business in China. Yeah. What? So when you work with uh, a news anchor or someone else uh, in in the space or a celebrity, what are the questions or concerns that they might have? Like, do they do they get it? Do they not get it? Do they think it's going to take away their potential to make money? Or, you know, are they going to are they worried about their job? Well, what are the questions that you get when you're working with these people? Yeah, so it's really all over the place and uh, it's very personal too. So sometimes we're approached by the talent themselves, such as the case of Howie Mandel. He just happens to be in love with technology and a really forward thinking individual. So he kind of gets it. He gets how AI is going to help him amplify his brand. Right. And when he approaches us directly, he's in complete control of his model. So the contract that we have with Howie, he proves everything that is done with that model, who can use the model, who can't use the model. When the model is retired, it's all in his complete control. Uh, however, on other instances, when a business approaches us or a news network approaches us, they have a contract with the talent that we are not privy to. Okay. So it's up to that business and the talent to come to terms on who can use this avatar? When when can it be used? What is the compensation for using this avatar? So that's really uh, between the business and the talent themselves, and we're not really involved in that. We provide uh, best uh, practices recommendations, like the fact that you should tell people when you're using AI-generated content and, and things like that. Yeah. One of the primary concerns we always get is, how long is this going to take me? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and that's where we talked about earlier. It's about a half day for the shooting process. Okay. And, and so the, did, did they only have to do it once or do you have to maybe bring them back if the technology gets better or, or if you want to upgrade, if, if, if Howie wants to do Howie 2.0 or something like that, does it, would he have to come back in? They only have to do it once. Okay. Once we have the training data, we use that training data to build the model. As we improve the model on our side, 
We just feed it the same training data. Okay. So we don't need to bring them in. Okay. So, and I, we haven't seen yet exactly what Howie's going to do with his AI avatar. I, I could speculate on uh, things like that, you know, but I don't want to do, I, I guess I'm thinking that he was probably more one-way communication type of type of deals uh, rather than a two-way conversation between a fan and, a, and him, for example. Yeah, I, I can say what what's publicly available is that Howie is attached to a company called Proto, uh-huh. and Proto is a very large hologram device, so you can have two-way conversations with a Proto device. <laughs> so I think uh, not only one-way video, but that you will see two-way applications as well. Okay, and so they're not going. Yeah, so they're, they're they're more just concerned about how much time this is going to take, um, rather than them being replaced by this. Uh. Typically, it, it comes up as a concern, uh-huh. but it's easily addressed uh, when they agree to how it can be used. So in our experience, the talent is pretty happy about having this as a tool to amplify their brand. Mm-hmm. And they can now use it in social media channels as well. So it's the ability to create video at scale using their voice and image is pretty enticing because it gets them... Uh, more eyeballs, basically, more people watching their content. Okay, and when we were talking before the call, uh, you also said that you don't think that this will be used to replace actors in, you know, TV and film and other types of things. A lot of the the strike that's going on right now, you have all these actors talking about AI avatars or being replaced by AI, mm-hmm. um, but you don't think that the technology, as it's currently situated, is going to do that. Can you explain why? Yeah, so uh, I... I agree with what you just said. Yeah. My, my belief is this is a tool for actors, not a replacement. And uh, the, uh, the analogy I, I try to point people towards is video games. You can see NBA and, and uh, FIFA games. Mm-hmm. We're not uh, replacing the athletes with uh, computer-generated versions of the athletes. We still rely on the ground truth of the real person that we connect with and what their life is and that bond we have reading about them and knowing them and even maybe seeing them in live appearances such as athletes. So I don't see AI replacing the ground truth of the real person. It's just a tool to generate more content of that person. Uh, CGI has been around forever. You could think of movies like Shrek, for example. Yeah. Uh, It's still driven by voice actors that we connect with because we know who those voice actors are as real people and their kind of body of work. So I see AI is the same way. You need that ground truth, that that connection with a real person to really uh, help build that brand. And and you mentioned that too with the, 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 the old ping pong ball suit. You would see actors. I think the the actor who played Gollum, uh, Andy Serkis, actually, you know, during the the CGI capture process, would walk around, and you see that more and yes. more. Where it's not just a, 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 someone in a booth, and then they animate around that. They actually start acting around, and and that makes for better video game characters and for for movies as well. Um, but you also mentioned that, that that this technology doesn't have fixed feet, so you that they might not walk around as much as as a regular actor would. Yeah, so our technology in its current state only moves from the waist up. Okay. So you can see that's why it might be a good fit for a news anchor who's sitting at a desk yeah. or uh, some of the other applications like an AI concierge at a hotel who's standing at a desk answering your questions. Uh, our target market right now is customer service. So you're having a conversation with somebody. They're not really moving around as you're uh, having a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. So that seemed to be the sweet spot for our current technology. Okay. 
And I, I, we talked about this as well. This is different from deep fakes because you're not, again, you're telling everybody that this is a, a real eye avatar, but the issue of deep fakes has come up in the political arena as well. But you had mentioned to me that this is also being used by politicians, um, which is exciting and scary at the same time. So tell me about what they were doing in South Korea with, with the politician. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll start with the politician part, but I do want yeah. to circle back to the deep fake conversation as okay, well. Sure. So uh, in Korea, they had a presidential election and one of the candidates was Yoon mm -hmm. and Yoon's staff approached us and asked us to make a AI human or an AI avatar of Yoon. And this enabled them to create uh, email messages using video and the video could be personalized to uh, potential voters. So you could get a, a video message from AI Yoon. And it would say, hi, Keith, call you by your name. Mm -hmm. This is AI Yoon. And I want to share some hot topics that might be important to you in the area that you live and my position on those topics. So because this is video at scale, they could send out hundreds of thousands of personalized messages. Again, being very transparent, this is AI Yoon. I'm Yoon's AI avatar, and I want to share this information for you. I think uh, what we've seen lately is with social media, with Instagram Reels and TikTok, the short form video format is where all the attention's going. Okay. So it's much more effective to hit somebody with a personalized video message than an email, which is just text. Okay. So, so do you think this is going to come to the to the states? Is this going to be a U.S. thing? Am I going to get um, AI messages from AI presidential candidate number one, AI presidential candidate number two, school board candidate number three? You know, how many of these are I going to start seeing? Yeah, so I think it'll come to businesses first. Okay. I envision a future where every business has an AI agent paired with their own custom large language model. It'll be the face and voice of the brand that you can interact with. It'll be omni-channel. And as people get more and more comfortable at interacting with these AI agents, we'll see it hit politics, acting. Uh, so it's okay. almost repeating what we saw in Asia. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna, I'll get back to the business one. I do have some other questions around that, but, but sticking to politics, are, the, are these gonna be used mainly as fundraising? Like, like I get so many fundraising emails sometimes if I'm on a list, are, are they going to be used for fundraising or are they going to be used for, hey, I want you to vote for me or, or yeah. you know, or are they going to be used for, hey, I'm going to tell you why my opponent stinks um, and why you shouldn't <laughs> vote for them? Like, are they going to be able to go negative or not? I, I suppose it's up to the candidate, right? And, and whatever, whatever yeah. they want to do. So it, it's basically what we've seen so far. It's been used for campaigning. And campaigning can include all the things you just mentioned. Okay. Hey, you should vote for me. Here's why. Hey, I need some money. Here's where to give it. And hey, my opponent is uh, not the right guy. And let me tell you why. Yeah. So we have seen it used for campaign tactics. Uh, typically, it allows the actually it allows the the candidate to be in multiple places at once is the way they've explained it to us because they're out on the road they're shaking hands kissing babies doing all that yeah. but their their digital presence now their staff can get their message out in channels that maybe they weren't normally accessing such as Instagram reels or TikTok and the staff can even get the message across with maybe a little sharper and wittier uh, a little younger twist but on on message and we found that that really resonated with the voters. 
And just to get back to Yoon when he was running for president using AI Yoon as a campaign tool, fast forward to today, he is actually President Yoon of yeah. South Korea. So did, did was there research that this worked, that this was a great way to reach voters and, and there was positive response from some of these messages? Or do you not, his, are you not privy to that? His staff was actually groundbreaking with this. Yeah. And they approached us and that that election cycle, to my knowledge, is the first that used AI avatars of both candidates. And do you think we're going to see that in, in the 24 election or is this going to be a couple more years? I yeah. think maybe not 24. It's going to be close, uh, uh-huh. 24, but probably uh, moving out in time, 100%, it'll be coming this way. Again, just using AI as a tool to amplify a message. Yeah, do you, do you think there's cultural differences between an audience in Korea that might respond to this because they're used to this versus maybe a US audience? Because everybody, I've, I've talked to a bunch of people about this already, and and the first reaction I get from people is, oh my God, I don't want that at all. I don't want to receive any of those types of messages. Um, maybe it's just because the political culture in this in the US is different. Um, have, have, have you heard any feedback from, from people in the U.S.? Yes. So yeah. uh, traditionally with technology, what we've seen is Asia can adopt technology faster than the U.S. and Europe. So this is a, a cycle that we're kind of uh, experienced with. And we believe AI avatars fit into that situation that Asia has adopted it. They're a little bit ahead of the curve on that adoption rate. If I go back in time to 2019 in Korea, Mm -hmm. when we did our first AI news anchor, people were a little shocked and it was 50-50. 50% of the population was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. And then 50% of the population was like, oh, this is kind of weird. I'm not sure how I feel about this. That was 2019. If I fast forward to today, the news networks that are using the AI avatars, people don't even mention the fact that it's an AI avatar anymore. They're talking about the news and what they just heard. Yeah. So we can see that actual transition in the comments on YouTube when the AI anchors first rolled out to where they are today. The initial comments were, I'm not sure about this. And now today it's like, did you see that news clip? And let me send it to you. So yeah, yeah. I imagine in the US, we're kind of 2019 Korea, okay. where the population is kind of split on it as we get more comfortable with it and as it becomes more commonplace. Uh, we think we'll kind of replicate what happened in Asia, in North America, and Europe also. All right. So how, how do you guys feel about the Uncanny Valley concept of the, you know, with CGI versus uh, an, a, an actual human? Um, would you say that you've been, that you pretty much have eliminated this, this Uncanny Valley concept of, of the creepiness yeah. or the realness? And, and can you really tell the difference? Because in the videos that I've seen on, on the YouTube channel, I can still tell that it's, that it's, that it's AI. Um, well, I, you, you, you must have a trained eye. Because <laughs> oh, that's true. We, I'm looking, all had, right, so I'm looking at the home shopping one now. And at first glance, yeah, I, I, I can tell. But I mean, I can't tell at first glance. But if I focused on it for a while, I think I could definitely figure it out. So we did what we call a touring test. And we showed people both AI generated video and then the real human and they're both performing the same script. Yep. And it, it came in, we would ask the people, can you tell which one is AI and which one is real? It came in at 50-50. So it was basically a coin toss. People could not tell reliably which was the AI generated video. Okay. Uh, we've okay. done a measurement called the uh, Structural Similarity Index. And we scored a 96.5% with 100% being 
uh, 100% correlation between the two videos. Uh, I think, but beyond the measurements, what really speaks to the technology is we're working with over a dozen TV stations already. And they're using this in full HD broadcasts across China and Korea and India. And they have to tell people this is an AI anchor because people can't tell. They won't be able to, to see it on their own. Wow. Okay. And then do you, do you think that this is going to come to the TV news in, in, this, in the U.S., that we're going to start seeing those? Yeah. I, I can't share the names of any companies, okay. but I can say absolutely this technology will be coming to uh, U.S. News Network. All right. And you'll tell us, you'll, you'll send me an email, right, when, when the first one's about to, to, to hit off? I'll give you the exclusive. Here, here's the here's a question for the U.S. news-based audience: Is can the AI avatar have the same kind of banter that's really lame between news anchors in between the stories? Um, I don't know. Or well, okay. And here's a real question: Do, Can an AI avatar of a new you know of a news anchor interact with a real one, or is that or, or are yes. they both going to be AI? So that's our conversational model. Yeah. Uh, typically, the news anchor applications we've done so far is just one person informational delivering yep. the news. But our conversational model will be able to, especially when it's connected to a large language model, uh, have natural conversations, including banter, take cues from the other newscaster. That's a little bit further out in time, but absolutely, I can see that coming. Right. And that's what you were saying, too, in in. in the ability to tell if it's AI or not is that there is a little bit of a lag between me asking a question. If I was interviewing an AI avatar, I would be able to tell because it would take you a couple seconds to respond, right? Like that, there is yeah. that lag. Yeah, because if you think about uh, the, the technology chain, what we're doing is we're synthesizing the video in real time. We're, you're just recording my live image right now. With mm -hmm. video synthesis, we have to create that image. And we have to move the lips and make the sounds that look natural. So there's less than a second to get that process kicked off. Uh, there's a little bit of time for the large language model to figure out what did you just ask me and what's the proper response. So that's a little time window. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of time to say, okay, here's the proper response. Now let me synthesize that response and stream it out. I could, I kind of compare it to having a conversation with a smart speaker like a Google or Alexa, where you ask a question and there's a little bit of a pause before the answer comes. Yeah. It's a very similar experience. Or even those those TV news interviews where someone is in the U.S. and they're talking to someone in in Russia or in in yeah. in London. There's there is a lag because of the the audio in the guy's ear. So that yeah, it, you feel think about the. Uh, the satellite delay, yeah. something like that. But I would say that's probably more extreme than what we're doing. Okay. Because uh, we can do this AI on the edge. So you get rid of that uh, external network delay. All right. I want to talk about, so again, you brought up uh, businesses that were probably going to be first uh, adopters on this, but there are a couple of other areas that, that I think you had mentioned uh, that, that will getting us to the point where almost every human will have an AI avatar. So I want to get to that point because I think you said to me uh, in our pre-call, uh, you think this will happen in about five years, which is pretty ambitious. Um, but but first, uh, yeah. yeah, first education uh, in in like a college educator, a college professor. Tell me how an AI avatar would be used there. Yeah, so you could think of a college professor uh, connected to a large language model and an AI avatar that has the knowledge base of that class and the experience of the professor for that specific lesson that he's teaching that day. So after hours, students can access 
an AI version of that professor, maybe they have questions on the notes they took. Maybe they have questions about the homework. Uh, so that professor could be available to them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, focused on that lesson of that week. And it could go as deep and wide as you want it to. But uh, I think this is really just uh, office hours for the professor are now 24 seven. Okay. So, but so if I go in and talk to my AI avatar and, and then I go to the real professor and say, oh, well, your avatar gave me an A. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hold you to that. Would, would the professor have to review all of the discussions that he's had with or that the AI avatar has had? So there would be guardrails on that language <laughs> okay. model. Dang it. Uh, that, that, that language model would not be handing out A's or F's. Okay. All right. <laughs> but it would be answering questions relevant to the lesson of the day. Okay. All right. And so, so more, more of a help out and help me understand what I'm missing type of a thing rather than um, yeah. grades and advice an, an or additional, things like that. An additional learning resource that I could hit at 1 a.m. in the morning because that's when I'm working on my paper. Yeah. And I really can't even read my own notes. And then okay. uh, I, there it is available, ready to go. Okay. Uh, another area that, that we talked about was influencers and some of these TikTok people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I suppose that that maybe this is something I could get into at some point. Uh, so tell me about how the influencer you're going to start seeing them create AI. And and to be honest, Joe, we I have seen some stories of some of the younger, more attractive TikTok influencers out there have delved into AI, but they do it for less than noble purposes, I believe. So uh, you don't have to mention those, but talk about how a, a regular everyday influencer might use it. Yeah. So uh, working with influencers, I, I've probably said this too much, but what we offer is video at scale. So okay. influencers have to create 10, 20, whatever it is, TikToks or videos per week. Yeah. So using using their AI avatar enables them to have their face and their voice getting their message out without having to get in front of a camera every single time. So it, it enables them to create more video, not replacing them. Again, they are the ground truth. They are the face and the voice that uh, their audience has a, has grown uh, attached to. Yeah. So they're just using this to get more content out. And again, I would imagine them saying, letting people know this is their AI model or here's a quick update from my AI model. I'm flying to Los Angeles today and blah, blah, blah. Come meet me at the show, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So using it to amplify their message. Now, there is another segment of influencers that are purely virtual. There is no human that exists that is that influencer. It's just a pure virtual influencer. That market is a, a much smaller and exploratory right now, but I, I do see both markets growing using AI to amplify real people and then having virtual influencers that are just starting from a grassroots, building up an audience based on pure AI model. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second, too, but I have another question. Did Is this limited to human representations? Are, are we going to start seeing AI avatars of either animals or non-humans like aliens or mascots? Am I going to see a virtual Tony the Tiger or an AI Tony the Tiger, for example, from a Kellogg's branding site or the M&M's characters? I mean, the, the list goes on of all the different mascots that are out there. Um, but I will say uh, 100% yes, uh, you will see some <laughs> mascots 
and you will have conversations with those mascots and you will interact with those mascots if you choose to. Yeah, and then I'll be recording the conversation and then I'll be posting that on my own channel. And it's going to be 24 hours a day where I'm just either on camera talking to either real people or AI avatars. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, with the mascots, I think it opens up a whole new engagement model that hasn't been available before. If we talk about Tony the Tiger or the M&Ms, they're used heavily in advertising, but it's not interactive. Yeah. So this enables uh, an interactive advertisement opportunity for those companies. Yeah, well, you know, I, we've seen customer service chatbots that have sort of that have been generic you know, humans or the, the avatar is a person with a headset on and that those always seems very um, sanitized, I want to say, I guess is the word um, and, and not very creative. And so it would be interesting to see if a company decides to take that bold step of using a brand ambassador like uh, a mascot or something or something like that. Yeah. And I, I think what you've seen so far hasn't been based on large language model connections. It's the traditional chatbots okay. that people are, so they don't have the best experiences yeah. and they are pretty scripted and limited in what they can do. The next wave that's coming out with the large language model connection will be a natural feeling conversation that will surprise you and hopefully delight you every time. Mm, interesting. Okay. And and one one final question about the, where how we're getting more and more people involved in this AI avatar idea. Uh, you mentioned that this could be tied into a metaverse if that ever happens, because there's been debate about whether this metaverse is going to take off or not take off. Um, talk about how an AI version of me, for example, could do things in the metaverse with my avatar and then sort of and then report back to me i guess is is the idea yeah so uh you could think about a, a ai avatar as a journey and this is how our customers explain it to us they start with an ai avatar in a kiosk or on a, on a computer screen and you're whether it's customer service or interacting or receiving information it's a it's a conversational interaction with an ai avatar and then the computer screen or the kiosk is just kind of the touch point on where you can access that avatar. As we move forward into mobile apps and beyond the websites onto the metaverse, mm -hmm. that same AI avatar, that same video generation or video synthesis, that same large language model ports to all those different touch points. So we can take that 2D flat screen experience into the 3D world. We have the technology to do that. And it's all about uh, just really progressing and getting people more comfortable with the technology and then t having it everywhere you're accessing technology that that avatar is now kind of your your common your shepherd or your your guide through all those different touch points okay and, and how how soon in the future are we thinking about this is this is this 10 15 years down the road does the technology have to come down in cost uh, you know it, or you know right now you got people going like howie mandel is going to his own studio or you're going to his studio um that feels expensive to me <laughs> How, how do we get it from there to where am I going to just take my phone here and just record myself or scan myself and then I have my avatar? Yes. Yeah, so uh, over the next probably two years, you'll see the technology become more available where now we're shooting in studios. Uh, next, we'll be shooting in homes on laptops. You just open up your laptop and collect the data that way. And then the final phase would be just use your mobile phone to to do a shoot and we're going less and less data every time when we started deep uh when we started doing this we needed ten thousand sentences 
we're now down to 500 sentences and okay. it's just our technology is getting better and better and uh our our algorithms are becoming more and more lightweight the gpus are becoming more and more powerful yeah so we can do more and more with less okay there's one final topic i want to i want to bring up uh because um deep brain ai is involved in this and there was a company called rememory uh in korea and they were creating ai avatars for people that could be used after they pass away um yes and and so this is this is not something that that you did directly right you're working with their company correct uh, no. no, so Rememory okay. is actually uh, one of Deep Brain's product brands. Okay, and it was it was focused on creating AI avatars for people who uh, knew they were terminally ill and were soon to be deceased. Okay, and and then the um, so a family member can visit one of these centers, right, and and then have conversations with the the uh, the person who had passed away, but their AI avatar is still is still around, right? Yes. So this was done in uh, collaboration with a, a very large funeral home uh -huh. in Korea. So people could go there and visit. And we would create the avatar with pretty much the standard way of uh, bringing the person into a studio. We would shoot uh, less data because uh, typically we these people are, are frail or, or not feeling well. Yep. So we work with less data, We but we make the model. And we also go through journaling exercises. Tell us stories about your life. What would you like to share? So there's a fixed knowledge base that this avatar is allowed to share after the person has passed. And the person has approved that all of this information can be shared okay. with their loved ones. Okay. Is is and is this because there's a, a, a different type of culture in in South Korea around death and mourning that this is that this was made available? Um or you know, or I, I, is it just because the company was in Korea and they decided to start with this? Yeah, I, I think the culture is part of it and views of death, but I also think it's a very personal decision. Uh, people we've talked about it to in the U.S., it's very polarizing. Yeah. They love it or they hate it. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not an active service that we're talking about here in the U.S. Okay. Uh, it is something, it's not even a what I would call a growth part of the business that we pursue in Korea. It was uh, a custom project and it we did it for a couple people, but I, I don't know how that's going to turn out in the long run. Yeah, because I've talked about this on our show before on a couple of other episodes. I think when, when the, the story was first popularized was about three months ago, uh, I've had discussions with some other people and I'm split right down the middle in terms of whether I'd want to do this or not. Um, Again, I've had I've had family members that have passed away, and it would be nice to sort of to talk to them again. But I also know that it's not the same person. I mean, it's not the real person. And then I also think yeah. about it for myself: like, do I want to do this at some point um, so that family members? And and again, I I don't know whether this helps or hurts the the mourning process. I think that's my bar big barrier at the moment. Yeah, that that's the hot topic that yeah. I usually hear on the on the news shows is. Does this help or hurt the mourning process? Yeah. Do, could the potential of people using this as a crutch and it takes them longer to get through the, the healing process? Yeah. Uh, all, all I can say is that subjectively, uh, the interviews that we've done, uh, people have been very positive about it. And they are typically people who embrace technology in general. Yep. So there's a, a certain yep. mindset you have about technology. And then uh, the, the people who are that we actually make the avatars of seem to be really uh, 
thinking about the future and children and grandchildren and how will they get to know me and mm -hmm. how will they know my legacy. So we've actually captured them at their healthiest state after they've been diagnosed. Yeah. And they get to re they get to engage with the person at that healthiest state because some of these diseases are just uh, it's, it's horrendous what the body goes through and, and the the pain and so I, I don't want to yeah. go into a dark place right now, but no, I, I'm uh, gonna, I'll bring this back to, to to a more positive aspect of it. You've, we've talked a lot about the the positive benefits of these AI avatars. How do you protect against the potential for uh, misuse or abuse or the dark the dark side of of some of these things? Because with any technology, you have a, a light side and a dark side. It's like the force. Uh, yeah. Um, what kind of protections can you give so that my AI avatar isn't doing a anything illegal or b even anything unsavory that I don't want it to do? Can these yeah. avatars be hacked? I mean, I'm sure that there's probably a lot of bad people out there that that think about this because again, there's a lot of bad people out in the world, and I don't want them to, to yeah, abuse yeah. this either. Well, let me just uh, start by making sure I don't anger any hackers. Anything can be hacked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Uh, but we are, our avatars are typically hosted in uh, Amazon AWS or Microsoft Azure. And we've been through all the security reviews and uh, we are a qualified partner for both of those companies. Mm -hmm. So you get that level of security that that cloud brings. We use metadata to track uh, whenever our video is created. We know it was created uh, using our technology. We know what IP address created that technology. We can use very simple content moderation filters that you might find on Roblox or video games to make sure that no unsavory content is accepted by our engine. So between the security of the cloud, the metadata marking, and the content moderation, we've created this safe ecosystem where you can create videos with traceability. Now, having said that, there is technology out there that people can download, face swapping technology. There's uh, freeware and open source technology yeah. that, uh, and people are making face swap videos. So we also have technology to detect AI generated content. Okay. So if, if somebody fed us uh, a video, we can tell if our technology created it, we can tell absolutely if, if it was created by deep brain and if there's other face swapping technology that was used, we can tell that as well. So, we're, we're creating a safe ecosystem to build the video, and then we have the tools to detect if uh, deepfake or unsavory video was made. We can say, yes, this is AI generated or not. Okay. It, in, in addition, what if there is a, an influencer out there who might have a big following because they're young, they're attractive, they're, you know, they're popular in that respect? And you know, there's a site out there. There's a couple of sites out there that, that, that do video things. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try to see if I can get this. Uh, are there other companies out there that are allowing those influencers to create AI versions of them that can be used in unsavory ways? Uh, I imagine there are, yeah. but uh, the main competitors that I look at in the market, none of them are. Okay. So there may be kind of, I'll say the the top tier companies that are doing AI avatars, uh, I don't see any of them uh, working in OnlyFans or any of those other channels that might be out there. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine there's kind of a, a second tier of companies that are using off the shelf tools and, and open source code 
So it will exist. It's just uh, the companies that I compete with and, and my personal company, Deep Brain, we, we've decided not to play okay. in the market. I, I, all right. I'm going to try to make it less unsavory and a little bit, but <laughs> so let's say I... I decide I'm going to create a uh, an AI avatar of me and I'm going to be um, your virtual I'm going to be a virtual boyfriend to someone or a virtual right. husband to someone um, now I forgot my question because I just I just got stunned about about what I would do um, oh I know what I, I know what the question was is there a potential that that customers that are accessing these virtual girlfriends husbands boyfriends whatever is there a potential that that those customers get addicted to it um, because there's this interactivity or is that, is that always been around even before this AI avatar stuff? Yeah. So I think that potential exists already yeah. without the AI avatars, just with chatbot technology. Yeah. And there are virtual boyfriend, girlfriend services out there. Uh, that's a pretty hot topic. I would imagine adding a visual component to that would only increase the potential, uh, of somebody getting really addicted to this service. Uh, to be honest with you, it's not something that uh, we've encountered okay. or put a lot of thought into yeah, yet. Yeah, we're we're more focused on the B two B market for now, but it is these these kind of moral questions come up all the time. Yeah, and we have to go into it with eyes wide open, and we're happy to have these conversations and, and think about what what our best practices because with technology, they always say just because you could doesn't mean you should. Yeah, right? yeah. So so. So we're, and I think it comes back to, you could see our position with the AI news anchors where we tell them, you need to let people know this is AI generated content. Yeah. Don't try to trick people. So I think moving forward, you could take that same message and, and that's going to become law sooner rather than later. The AI generated content needs to be labeled as such. Yeah. So I think there's not only the business world, but the government and regulatory world, there's a lot of work to be done. All right. Now, this is the part of the show where if you were an AI avatar, you would you would take off your mask at this point <laughs> and, and go, aha, or do it one more time. That Just do it one more time. Like, aha, you've been someone all together. No, you, you are a real person, Joe, and I really appreciate uh, being on the show and, and taking some of these these questions from us. No, no, it was a lot of fun. I love talking about this stuff. So, uh Thanks for your time, Keith. All right, yeah, I'm sure we're going to have you back on the show as the technology develops as well. So, um, you know, keep that email handy. <laughs> you got it. All I'll right. be in touch. All right, thanks. All right. That's all the time we have for today's episode. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel, add any comments that you have below. Uh, join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.